0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Still a look at slightly favors the right footer here. But Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick
2: Quinnigan tries it down low. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a oh! goal! Fletcher. It's Lucious McCullough. Saved it in. Barry Ferguson. Double miss again.
0: You try me once, you make for more Oh, yes, I can boogie But I need a certain
2: song I can boogie, boogie, boogie All night long We did it! Scotland are back at a major tournament for the first time since 1998, last century. Armageddon and Saving Private Ryan were captivating audiences at cinemas round the UK, President Clinton's fidelity was being examined by the whole world, the Twin Towers still dominated the Manhattan skyline and Kieran Tierney and Scott McTominay were only one year old. Heartbreak in London, Amsterdam and Glasgow saw us edge closer in the noughties, but as we crossed the barren environment of international wilderness in those subsequent years, any sort of major tournament oasis proved to be merely a mirage as we trudged on qualifying group after qualifying group, deprived of and desperate for that moment that would quench our thirst and put us back among the best. To say this has been a long time coming would be an insult to the patience of the Tartan army, and it's hard to put into words just how much this means. Gordon, Shia, do you want to try and do that?
1: (laughs) You're right, it's so hard to put into words, but I will very much do my best. Um, Something I've been reflecting on today, um, and I've been nothing but thinking about this game last night, is that over the last 22 years, we've been so starved of this level of success that all we've been left with are just snatches of moments of happiness and moments of joy. But in a way, they're all tainted because you know they didn't amount to qualification. They didn't end that run in the wilderness. You know, McFadden in Paris was a phenomenal moment that we all loved, but we didn't qualify. Lee Griffith's free kicks were just some of the most incredible moments I've ever experienced in a football stadium. But you watch them back and there's that voice in the back of your head that says, "Mm, Harry Kane's going to equalise in three minutes. So they're always come with that level of, and sadness, but this finally' it's a moment it's a moment of glory there's no there's no no question
2: about it. We did it, and it's just a joyful moment that we can all enjoy. Ben Ramage with us as well. How do you look back on last night's events?
0: I think it's my overwhelming feeling is just relief relief that it's actually done because for the last twenty two years, obviously when we were younger, we maybe didn't take it. Um, seriously but now every qualification it's just been hit after hit we've just been so unlucky sometimes horrendous sometimes but to actually get it done and even in the manner that we did where it looked like it was going to be another story where yes we've done it and then just killed at the very last minute how many times has that happened but for the players to get through that extra time was just monumental that absolute strength that they show to get through that extra time to get to penalties and then the bottle that they had to slot those five penalties as well was under that pressure when they know that the entire nation is just willing them on to do it it was just unbelievable and i'm still just trying to get my head quite around it that we now have a tournament to look forward to
2: (laughs) i was very wary of serbia last night i felt that expectation throughout the country was creeping to An unreasonable level for the boys. So I was so pleasantly surprised in the first 10 and 15 minutes when we took the game right to Serbia. We didn't sit back and try and judge how they were going to pan out throughout the game. We really did seize the moment, and I think they were actually a little bit surprised, Gordon, by how well we started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did not look good at all. You know, that first. 20 minutes that first half hour. They really did not look good. They looked absolutely rattled. But I think the biggest part of that was that Scotland came out with a game plan to push high up the pitch, to press them high. Lyndon Dykes was chasing people down. He was winning flick-ons. He was winning the ball. John McGinn, how many times did he turn the ball over high up the pitch? I mean, the game plan Scotland implemented that came from Steve Clark absolutely
2: rattled them in the first half, and it made them look very pedestrian. Ben, were you confident before the game that Scotland could go and outperform Serbia in their own patch?
0: I felt confident in the defensive side of the way we were going to go about it because, you know, that's kind of Clark's system. But I was so impressed with how positive we were going forward in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes of such an important game. To have that confidence and belief that they could actually go and push high up the pitch and not worry about the spaces they're leaving in behind That really put the shitters up, Serbia, basically. And you could tell that they were were in for a proper game. And I don't think they really had the confidence that we had. I know that they beat Norway, but like we spoke about before, they were not on a good run. And that has a massive psychological impact. Whereas Scotland were on this winning run. We were getting through games. It wasn't always pretty, but we were winning. And I just feel like we had that little bit of extra edge that in the first half, we just looked untouchable.
2: Gordon, you mentioned him there, Lyndon Dykes. It became very clear very early on that the Serbian defence did not fancy him at all. He was winning flick-ons, and to be honest, in the first half, I felt that Christie and McGinn weren't close enough to him to go and take advantage of the flick-ons, but Dykes was giving them a torrid time up front, and I think it's clear now that he will be the man that Steve Clark will choose come hell or high water. If he's fit, he plays for Scotland. Absolutely. Lyndon Dykes, what a
1: colossus of a man and a colossus of a performance. You know, we've reflected before on this podcast, looking back at the game that we played against Russia at Hamden last year, and just the absolute horrendous time and Juba gave to our defence. And I know Andy, you've spoken before about, could Lyndon Dykes be our Juba? I think that's maybe seemed fanciful, fanciful when he said it the first time. It seems absolutely spot on now. And you're right, he absolutely should lead the line for Scotland going forward and heading towards the Euros next summer. Something that I think I've been so impressed with Lyndon Dykes is just the confidence and the attitude that he's brought to this group is that I'm here to score goals, I'm here to win games. You know, I said this, this to you guys off air that Lyndon Dykes was not born and raised in Scottish fatalism, you know, of thinking maybe I'm not good enough, maybe we can't do it he was born and raised in Australia Australian exceptionalism in that country if you play a sport, you better bloody win it, you better bring home a gold medal or you're out of the family, frankly so he's brought that attitude to us and it is such a breath of fresh air and his post-match interview just that enormous grin on his face, you couldn't wipe it off I mean, you see
0: what it means to him I mean, I love him, I love him (laughs) Ben. I think you're right, Andy. I think Christie and McGinn weren't close enough to him in the first half, and he was winning so many balls. They was opening up so many spaces, but they were just too far away. And I, I think Clark must have made a conscious decision to say to Christie, especially, to play much closer to him, because there's no point in him winning all these balls when you're not taking advantage of it. And that was my real fear. And I'll admit that at half time, I honestly called for Christie to be off for Armstrong. Because I thought Armstrong was going to go, and he would maybe play that role a wee bit better. But I think Christie must have been told to push higher up, because suddenly you saw him playing a lot closer to Dykes, and that's obviously where the goal comes from in the in the start of the second half.
2: Let's talk about the goal then, because it was the release the release that came with that. There was the joy, the unbridled joy, and you'll have seen all the. The videos going around Twitter today of when Marshall saved the penalty or if anyone caught the goal on camera um, of the, the mixture of relief and joy that just explodes out of someone like that and Gordon the important thing that you touched on earlier is now that when we do look back on Christie's goal on YouTube or wherever it doesn't come with a caveat that well it didn't really matter in the end because we lost that is a, a pivotal iconic moment now in Scottish football history that, that Ryan Christie's he's put his name on it
1: yeah, and, but you know, I think you you almost have to wind a few seconds back as well because there's a, there's a lot to love about this goal. The fact that it all comes from a hurried clearance from a Serbian defender because they're being closed down by Stephen O'Donnell, our right wing-back, who's pushed so high, he's almost on the edge of their penalty area. And that that can't go unmentioned because I, I thought Stephen O'Donnell was absolutely fantastic last night. So that clearance goes wild, and Cal McGregor is there to intercept it, who I think, you know... Cal, Cal McGregor has taken a lot of stick in recent years for Scotland. People that always on this very podcast it, to be absolutely. fair, people always questioning what it is he brings to Scotland, to the national team. For me, that was his best performance last night in a Scotland shirt. He intercepts he feeds Christie, and just even though he miscontrols it at first, I, I still can't fathom how there's so many defenders around him, and he's the angle he's aiming at is so far away from goal. He manages to pivot on his foot and somehow find the far corner it's just such a, a wonderful wonderful
2: finish I think it was that finish was the last thing that the keeper was expecting when I've watched it back it seems that how Christie has managed to thread that through and into the perfect angle of the bottom of the post it seems very unlikely that he should have been able to do that and the goalie therefore probably wasn't expecting it then but it was a, a tremendous finish and a tremendous moment
0: well, that, that's the hardest angle to hit from that position because the keeper should be closer to it. You know, the, the obvious finish is to go top left there with the left foot curler. So the, the only way that was really going in was with it was off the post. And it was, you know, I've mentioned it today. that was, It was a little bit McFadden-like to just pick the ball up, go past a few players and find that finish. That Only a, a, a very small amount of people could actually find that finish. And he has totally deservedly written himself into the history book, as you say.
2: Let's talk about the central midfielders then, because you brought up Callum McGregor there, Gordon. We have been vocal about the centre mids in our squad, because on paper anyway, for some time, it has been our strongest and deepest area of quality. Clark has mixed and matched a few. He took Scott McTominay out the equation and put him in defence. That maybe made things slightly easier in terms of selection. Callum McGregor and Ryan Jack have seemed to be his preferred two for uh, a wee while. They justified his faith last night because the two of them were superb. They were, they were absolutely fantastic. I mean, 1-11 to
1: front-to-back, I don't think you can give any player any less than an 8-10. Um, I thought the balance between McGregor and Jack was fantastic. I thought the, the shielding they gave the defence allowed Stephen O'Donnell to push so high, it allowed Andy Robertson to push higher. Um, and then McGinn was able to really press up push on and get up almost alongside Christie and Dykes up front when, when appropriate so yeah I just think this is the, clearly the culmination of what this group have been working on for the past couple of months
2: and it really showed you know, this was a team with a plan and they executed it to perfection Ben, does the fact that I didn't really notice Ryan Jack too much last night suggest that he executed his performance pretty much to perfection?
0: Yeah, I have to say that was his most effective game. I just think when you're playing that system, you need someone to do the dirty stuff, to cover gaps, to press, and and make that Him and McGregor, that was both of their best performances, and it couldn't have come a better time for us. And like Gordon touched on there, the whole system works better when they are that dominant because it allows Robertson, who I thought again had a good game by his standards in a Scotland shirt, he was getting forward more, O'Donnell was fantastic, and it, it all just seemed to make sense, that system that they've been obviously been drilling into the players. It works so well at Kilmarnock, and he's brought that onto the international stage with better players, and you just feel like this is such an effective way of winning football matches. Uh, it just gives me so much hope going into the Euros against you know Czech Republic, Croatia. This system could work. A word on
2: the defence, we simply cannot go much longer without mentioning them. Scott McTominay, again, looked like he belonged in a back three for Scotland. He had a couple of loose passes and, yes, from the set piece he did fall asleep or he was very easily shoved off the ball by Luka Jovic. But overall, I think his performance uh, was, was very, very good. Kieran Tierney slotted back in, and again, similar to Ryan Jack, I, I felt like I barely noticed Kieran Tierney. He, he just, he just did his job, did the simple things well, and I can't remember anyone really getting the better of him. And the best, the best to last, probably Declan Gallagher. He was the the controversial choice, I suppose, considering we have English Premier League captain Liam Cooper and English Championship defender Scott McKenna uh, on the bench, but Gallagher was chosen again. Steve Clark remained loyal to him and let's be honest, if he doesn't get a move off the back of these performances for Scotland, he never will. Gordon? Yeah, Declan Gallagher, I mean, look, they, they were all the men of the match but he was
1: he was one of the absolute standouts at the back. I mean, we spoke last week when we did the pod, worrying about Alexander Mitrovic and his goal scoring record for Serbia, he barely got a sniff in the game and that was all down to Declan Gallagher. Um, I made a joke last night that Alan Burroughs was probably adding an extra zero onto the end of Declan Gallagher's transfer evaluation. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's stunning to think that we went into a playoff final with a mother wall centre back and a mother wall right wing back and the defence was absolutely phenomenal. (laughs)
2: Yeah, there was a moment then where it was after the subs were made because Kenny McLean, uh, he got caught ball-watching down the left flank. Serbia played a 1-2 and their left-sided player got in behind and managed to get across and he was about a yard ahead of McLean. Uh, and I think that was the one that, it was either Jovic or Mitrovic, they, they headed it wide at the near post. Um, yeah. And when that was headed wide, Gallagher turned around and he gave... Kenny McLean, a right mouthful um, for not tracking the run properly. I think that Gallagher has come into this team and has belonged from the first whistle.
0: Yeah, he's just a leader, isn't he? And Clark's obviously picked up on that, and it doesn't matter. We spoke about it before, it doesn't matter who your club team is or what league you're playing in. If you play well for him and you lead as a centre-back, if you're leading that defence, which is what he needs to do, then you're in, and he was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I think he's still not lost a game for Scotland, um, and I can't see him getting dropped anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually just frantically googling that. Yeah, six caps, and I mean, technically six wins. I mean, obviously. Uh, oh no, wait, sorry. There was a there was a the draw against. No wait, I'm, I'm talking rubbish. No, so a
0: couple of draws, but it turned into penalty shootouts. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. No
1: losses. I mean, lucky
0: Tom. <laughs> and I, th- I actually thought he did well. He was playing some really nice long balls to begin with. That I think it just when we were just keeping the ball at the start, it just it got that pattern of play in that we were keeping the ball and they were having to chase us. And that just got us into that dominant mindset where we were thinking, right, they're going to have to chase us. And when we scored, I honestly wasn't that worried about them replying because they weren't creating anything. Yeah, they threw the kitchen sink at us at the end, but even then, it was just one lapse of concentration that cost us. But apart from that, we were totally dominant.
1: Well, this is it. I mean, did Marshall... I mean, Marshall barely had a save to make in the night.
2: Yeah, a couple of shots off target. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon, that's interesting, Gordon, because you made the point before in the Nations League game against Slovakia when we were 1-0 up. Scotland saw the game out fairly comfortably. The stakes Mm -hmm. were relatively low in that game. It was just the, the third Nations League match. I think it was the yeah, the third one. Or the second one? Third, third one, the third one. And uh, we went 1-0 up and just saw the game out pretty easily. That was in a, just as I said there, a, a fairly low-pressure environment. Last night after we went 1-0 up in the playoff to get to a major tournament, again, with 20 minutes to go, 15 to go, I felt pretty comfortable about that Serbia didn't look like they were going to score at least not from open play anyway
1: yeah absolutely you're right I I very much shared your confidence I was just sort of strangely serene and calm through the 90 minutes because this was just such a a good performance this was such a good performance from a Scotland side I mean I, I don't remember seeing a better executed away away performance I mean We've seen us win away games where you come away thinking, oh, we really we got away with it there, you know, Paris, France, etc. But last night, we deserved that. And frankly, had we won it in the 90, we would have 100% deserved it as well.
0: Ben? Yeah, no, totally agreed. I, that's what made that last-minute equaliser so tough to take, because it wasn't as if we'd been hanging on for dear life, and it was they'd actually deserved to, to get one back. They totally stole that. And that was the sort of feeling. And so you just felt like, God, if we actually lose this now, it's totally undeserved. Um, But yeah, thank thank God it didn't happen in the end.
2: I said to a couple of pals actually before the game that I had complete confidence in our boys to limit Serbia. Maybe not keep them out fully, but limit them in terms of chances because the defence has looked so organised recently. But my main concern was... If someone switches off from a set piece, even just for a moment, that could be the difference, and it's so nearly proved to be the case. And it is just testament to the boys that they managed to pick themselves off the floor and plaster themselves to the ceiling after a penalty shootout. Absolutely incredible resilience, Gordon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is something that we've we've spoken about before, but just the. The mental strength of this group, I mean, we've all watched Scotland performances in the past. I mean, you know, I have looked back at all the previous qualifying campaigns and the amount of late goals that Scotland teams have conceded because they've switched off or they've had something go against them and the mental uh, um, focus is gone. But this group, you know, and we saw it in the, the semi-final against Israel going to a penalty shootout and winning it. They're made of certain stuff, you know, and you've got to say this, this This is a team built in Steve Clark's image that this is a strong, strong group of players. They took that kick in the nuts at the end of the game and they went again. And obviously the the flow of the game had to change because because of the changes that Steve Clark had made. That again, Christie and Dykes were all off. That I didn't feel that confidence that we could then go and win it in extra time. I thought we're going to have to stick it out here and go for penalties.
2: Um, but they did. The players did and um, all kinds of Well, Ben, how did you feel at the start of extra time? Because I have a feeling that if Serbia had gone on and beaten us over this the next 30 minutes, which with, if it wasn't for David Marshall's save from, from Grudic, I think it was, the shot from outside the box, they may well have done that. But without Lyndon Dykes, Christie, and McGinn, we, we really had nothing going forward. I actually advocated on a group chat I'm in with my mates that one of Patterson and McBurney should be brought back off and stick Armstrong or Griffiths on to try and give us a wee bit of impetus or drive. Should we have a counter or an opportunity? I felt that with Patterson and McBurney on the park together, we stood very little chance of scoring. Um, So I think that if if Serbia had taken the lead again, we were in real bother.
0: A hundred percent. And I think as much as we are praising Clark, I think he got away with that one a little bit. I think. McBurney and Patterson wanted to see that game out and and in fairness it really did look like we were actually just gonna, it we were gonna do it, do it in ninety minutes. So he was maybe unlucky and it obviously would have worked had McTominay not lost Jovic at the corner. But yeah, the second half, like you say, Armstrong potentially would have shored us up and given us a wee bit more. But I wonder if once you'd had that hammer blow, you know, just before full time Maybe he just thought, we just need to see this out now, as Gordon alluded to. Maybe just see this out, get penalties. That was maybe now our best chance of actually getting through.
2: Did you feel, though, Gordon, that the decision to take both Christie and McGinn off was a strange one? Because the pair of them are as fit as Mo Farah. There's, there's no way that they were going to to stop putting the effort in or stop harrying the Serbians. We, we I think that only one of them coming off, perhaps for um, Callum Patterson would have, would have sufficed.
1: Yeah, I did, I did, I did think it was a strange one, I mean look, the, the coaching staff, Steve Mark, were obviously closer to the decision than we were, they were closer to the players than we were, and um, from my vantage point on my sofa, and um, Christie certainly looked like he was flagging, he looked like his legs were starting to go, but McGinn still looked pretty decent, he looked he had something in the tank. I, I think obviously, you know, this is all hindsight, I mean, potentially you could have left Lyndon Dykes on, even if he was tiring and, say, put on someone like Lee Griffiths, who could have done all of the running around Dykes and just left Dykes to win the flick-ons, as he had been doing. Um, but, look, it's,
2: it, it's all immaterial. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter, doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> a word for Lee Griffiths, actually, and another one of the substitutes, Olly McBurney. I I don't think it's a stretch to say that if Oli McBurney had missed <laughs> that penalty, I don't think he would have recovered as far as Scotland's reputation is concerned maybe as far as his mental strength is concerned because he's not the most popular member of the squad among the support his actual appearance was substandard, he had nowhere near the effect that Lyndon Dykes had on the game and I think if he'd missed that penalty when the weight of the country was on his shoulders it may have been too much now he did very well to to step up and tuck it away, made it look very easy. Griffiths hasn't been in the squad for a couple of years, is shoved onto the park two minutes before extra time ends. I don't even think he touched the ball, really. And the first thing he has to do is to give us the advantage in the penalty shootout. The balls
0: on that pair, Ben, they belong in a museum. Incredible, incredible stuff. And if you look at the stories of the two as well, you know, Griffiths has had to overcome his mental health problems over the last year. And for him to step up and take that first penalty, which in a shootout is so crucial, I always think if you if you can go first and get ahead, then they're always chasing you on the scoreboard. And as it proved, Mitrovic was up last and that little bit of extra pressure knowing that he had to score it was maybe just what we needed. Um, but and like you say McBurney, he has been so unfortunate not to open his account for Scotland. You know, we've seen him in recent games when he's hit the bar, he's hit the post. So, you know, there was be a lot of people that are saying, Oh you've never scored I wouldn't want you taking a penalty and he absolutely strolled it um, so absolutely fair play to both of them um, like you say just total cojones to, to go and stick those away
2: Gordon you are someone who likes to have all McBurney's back as well you must have been delighted for him and Griffiths
1: yeah absolutely I I, I shared your opinion during the game that had McBurney not scored that penalty I think just the weight of Feeling against him would have been almost insurmountable, I think. But what we know about Ollie McBurney is that he is his own character, he ploughs his own furrow, he's not afraid to stand out, he's got that bit of self-confidence, and frankly when it comes to penalty shootout, that's exactly what you need, and you saw some of the guys went for power, he just went for absolute technique, he cut across his body and just ice-cold, ice-cold, calm nerves, slotted it home, and that's exactly what we needed.
0: McGinn squeezed the first one in against Israel, he's been subbed, so to Christie. so to
1: Dykes but at least Lee Griffith is there, even though the keeper got a touch on it,
0: yeah just enough power there from Lee Griffiths every kick counts, and that's another one from Callum McGregor who walks away in relief, two out of two
1: for Scotland it is McTominay and it's right in the bottom corner and that'll do nicely for Scott McTominay Brilliant penalty, brilliant penalty, so glad for him. McBurnie steps up and he was exceptionally calm and that took a bit of bottle Wow, he looked calm, look at the reaction, (laughs) that tells a real story It is Kenny McLean for Scotland
2: and he does score right in the corner and the pressure is piled on Serbia for their final kick Alexander
1: Mitrovic has to score for Serbia
2: And Marshall has saved! Yes! One big yes! It's a happy ending for Scotland for a change! The time has come! The time really has come! A night for the players! A night for the fans! A night
0: for all of Scotland!
2: How were the two of you? We'll start with you, Ben. How were you during the penalty shooting? It was one thing seeing it unfold for the first time against Israel in the semi. None of us had experienced that at international level before. Was this worse for you?
0: Well, you certainly would have rather it was done in the the first 90. Um, I'm sure I read before the game that one of the Serbians said that they weren't actually going to practice penalties Because they were so certain that they were going to win in in more time I'm not I I tried to find it again and I can but I'm sure I read it and that just gave me a little bit of confidence I just felt like well hold on we practice penalties for Israel And now we would have been practicing penalties again for this so there was As much as I was terrified that this was all going to come crashing down as it as it has been for the last 22 years there was a bit of me that was thinking, "Now nah, we're actually ready for this." And when Griffiths went up, I thought he is such a confident bastard that he will probably stick this in. And and as it turned out, obviously Mitravel had the. End, I, I'm, Marshall's made some really big penalty saves as well in his career, and I, everything just seemed to be going for us. I, I honestly did think that we were actually going to do it, but I didn't let myself think it until it happened. I was just like Marshall at the end waiting for VAR. I was like, don't bring this back because he's got his big toe over the over the line. That was my big fear that VAR was gonna actually screw us at the end. Um but yeah, totally nervous but just totally delighted at the end.
2: It was an incredible save, Gordon, that Marshall pulled off. He, he was unfortunate with one of the others, I think penalty. He panned it into the roof of the net. But for Marshall to to pull off a save like that against Serbia's main threat, their, their goal scorer, the, the talisman they have through the middle of the park, was, was just absolutely superb.
1: Yeah, I mean, we absolutely shouldn't be surprised, because look back to the semi-final against Israel, their main man, Aaron Zahavi, he did the exact same thing, saved from him. So, arise, Sir David Marshall. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I was getting some serious, um for a moment there, there was a, a PTSD flashback from the Women's World Cup, last year scotland against argentina when we're winning 3-0 they bring it back to 3-2 and then they get a penalty lee alexander phenomenally saves the penalty we're all celebrating we think that's it we've done it we're going through the knockouts and var has a look it gets retaken they score we go out and just there's something about that moment when marshall's looking at the referee just saying please please can i celebrate <laughs> <laughs> it brought it all flooding back but thank goodness then the whistle was blown and we
0: were on our way I have to say when I watched the replay I thought his left leg had maybe gone out and I was like oh jeez if they actually do look at this then it might actually be so I was just so delighted when just saw the ref wave it away as only one is, they they need to
2: have one foot on the line. They can have one off the line. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, and it and it yeah. it, it,
1: it can be one foot over the line. So I mean, as, as in hovering above it, you don't need right. to actually have your foot
2: on the ground. Right. Okay. Again. Well, his his Marshall's right foot. What you you saw in the replay, his right foot was on the line when Mitrovic. Yeah. Oh, right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. But, so there's there's but, no debate. We've not. We've not flipped this, there's no debate, it was a legal save, yeah.
1: No, But, but I mean, Marshall said after the game that the referee had told him, if you save a winning penalty, don't celebrate until I tell you, because it will get checked by far, just as a matter of course. So that's why Marshall just was not celebrating, and he was waiting for permission, please, sir. May I go eat shit now?
0: Yes, you may. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. for that gift to just be rolled out every time. Yeah. People are waiting for a decision to be given. <laughs> yeah,
2: is the is the man of the nation at the moment, David Marshall? Yeah, I feel like he can he can do no wrong. And just straying from international chat for ten seconds. I can't believe that Celtic didn't sign him on a free in the summer when they had the chance and spent £5 million on Barkas instead. It's a decision that I just can't wrap my head around. Anyway, back yeah. to Scott. We've, uh, we've, we've, I think, covered just about everything we can on the park. There's no point getting too tactical. I'm not a coach. I just know that the boys played very, very well. One thing off the park that I would I would love to chat about is Ryan Christie's post-match interview. That That is one of the the rawest pieces of uh, post-match material I've ever seen. There, it's not often that you you see a player open up like that, Gordon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've watched it several times. I cannot watch it without the tears welling up in my eyes as well because he is us and we are him. I mean, I, li- I listened to a podcast yesterday with the, the journalist Johnny Liu and it was, it was talking about, you know, does international football have a place in 2020? And, you know, he was making the arguments about economics and the EPL and the power of the Champions League and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I I can't disagree with anything he was saying, but when you see these moments that unite a country in just absolute joy, and then you see what it means to the players, how can you possibly make the argument that international football doesn't have a place in this world? Because... He was in bits. He was in bits and pieces, and I I love it. I love it. You just want to hug him. You just want to hug him. (laughs) Yeah.
2: There's there's no argument for that at all, Ben. To say that international football doesn't matter. Sure, when you maybe support England or uh, I'm trying to think other European nations. Italy, they haven't really succeeded since 2006. Bigger nations that have. They qualify routinely without really breaking sweat. You can understand why the international break comes and goes for them really without too much of an impact on their lives because they know what to expect. It's different for nations like us and uh, the Republic and Northern Ireland or Wales or Iceland or or maybe Norway or Finland etc. Where success is not guaranteed, and therefore when it does come off in our favour. It's such a moment to savour because it's not an an every year or an annual occurrence, Gordon.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you know, they, they say, you know, the, the rougher the journey, the more welcome the port. And, well, we've been on this journey for 22 years. So it, it's just so, so nice to have arrived safely in port, I'm looking at the, the groups the, the groups of Euro 2020 and Scotland's name is in it. And you know, I was, I was, I was sending you guys messages earlier, thinking about all the things now that are generally associated with tournaments that suddenly are going to be relevant to Scotland. You know, I mean, who's going to sing the official Scotland song? There's going to be a sticker book with Scotland players in it that I will spend a disgusting sum of money to fill. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just it, it genuinely so exciting. There'll be a kit launch. There'll be a squad announcement. I mean, um, good
2: God, we did it.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> did it. I bet. I've, I've. Accommodation down in London uh, last night, so need to sort travel now. The, spe- speaking of that, and I saw <laughs> on Twitter, who was it? Uh, oh, uh, it was a guy called Andrew Southwick. I think he's a, a freelance mm-hmm. journalist. I saw him. I saw him tweeting earlier. Scotland's potential route to the final. <laughs> 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 I I I I he like, uh, had gone through permutations of what happens if we win the group. If we finish second, what if we're one of the best? Third place. Yeah, uh, finishers. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it is it is ludicrous already to be thinking like that, but, I mean, yeah. it's it's forgivable given that this is such a novelty at the yeah, moment. Exactly. But I, I and after thinking. the game last night, and I'm still of this thinking, I can't imagine a scenario if he's fit and on the form that he was last night where Harry Maguire gets the better of Lyndon Dykes at Wembley. I, I just think that Lyndon Dykes in that sort of form will make his life a misery. Yeah,
1: and, and and just think what Declan Gallagher will do to Harry Kane as well. But this, this, this is it. I mean, we may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but we're allowed to be a bit confident because we fully earned this. You know what I mean? Like like I said earlier, sometimes we get wins we don't deserve. This was not that. We 100% deserved this, and we deserve the success the team are having because of the work that the players and coaches have put in over the last year. I mean... I remember I looked back to the uh, the Russia game last year when we lost 4-0 in Moscow and that was the fourth game in a row that we lost. We really capitulated in that game and Steve Clark said after the game, I've told the players in the dressing room, this has to be the lowest of the low and we build from here and we've gone unbeaten since and we've qualified for the Euros. So, don't like it for them. Don't Clark like
0: actually said that he spoke about that yesterday as well. That He said that he, he brought that up and said, remember that we said that the Russia game was going to be the worst and I just feel like he has got the mentality thing, I don't know whether it is for Mourinho, I've seen a lot about that about how he's coached with Mourinho and the mentality that he puts into the players about winning and it, you know, the proof is in the pudding because it's working
2: Yeah. Do you think we, we, we can be allowed to well, dream I suppose or look a wee bit further ahead than the forecast allows us because our group is not the the hardest one in the Euros. Let me just pull it up here. Yep. So, Group F is... I'm thankful that we're not hungry, okay, because they've got Portugal, France, and Germany in their group, which is oh, a nightmare. Dear. Oh, dear. That's so, the group we normally have. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rest of them... they are There are opportunities there for somebody like us to finish stro- a strong third place. If we can if we can scramble together four points in this group, chances are it will see us through to the next round as one of the best third-place finishers. It's what happened in, in 2016, four points. For a third-place finisher to, to scrape through. So if we can beat the Czech Republic, which we have done recently, we've got a very good record against them in general, actually over the not-too-distant past. And then if we can knock a point off Croatia or England, then we're in good stead to to get through.
1: Well, absolutely! I mean, you look back to 2016. I'm pretty sure Northern Ireland went through to the knockout stages having won one, one game. And yeah. bear in mind, our first game is the Czech Republic at Hampden. You know, so I mean, that is what what an opportunity that is. It's effectively a home game. You know, and fingers crossed, cross everything that will have fans, will have a full stadium. You know. You're right. The, the, we we go with confidence. We travel with confidence. And why not? You know, I I said I said to someone earlier. You know, I, I've almost had something of a, an existential crisis today because my lifelong dream was to watch Scotland qualify for major finals. And now they've done it. It's like, well, what's next? <laughs> what, am I, <laughs> what am I dreaming of now? So you know, quali- get, getting through the knockout getting through the knockout stages. That's my new lifelong dream. There it is. <laughs>
0: And the Croatia game is also at home. The Croatia game is at Hamden as well. If if that's a decider, if we need to get a point or three points from that, how beautiful is it that it's at Hamden when the players feel at home? Gordon, well, we've got you here, just a
2: reminder for anyone who perhaps isn't up to speed on the importance of the Slovakia and Israel games coming up away from home over the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, these games are absolutely monumental. So even though we've done it, we've qualified for Euro 2020, there's still more to be won. And frankly, if we can get the one win that we need from our next two games to win our group and get promoted to League A, frankly, that could give us benefits that run for the next four years. Because next up, early December, I believe it is, there's going to be the draw for World Cup qualifying. That kicks off in March. Now, I believe, should we win these next two games, we've actually got an outside chance of getting pot two, which would be great for us. Second place would qualify. If we don't do that, but we've won our Nations League group, then we've got a very good chance of getting a playoff for the World Cup because only group Nations League group winners can get a playoff. Now, your group winners from League A will almost definitely qualify automatically, so it'll go to League B. That would be us. Then, looking ahead, we'll play the next campaign of Nations League. We'll be in League A against some of the best teams in Europe. We will probably get beaten by almost everybody. It doesn't matter at all, because when it comes to seeding the next qualifying campaign for Euro 2024, because we're in League A, it'll be based on Nations League ranking. Even if we've been relegated, we will be seeded second at worst. So going into that campaign, top two qualify automatically, and um, third place gets the playoff being seated second would be a massive leg up to qualify automatically, and even if we don't qualify somehow, we will be in a prime position for a very attractive playoff path. Because if you look at the last Nations League, Iceland were the only League A team to not qualify automatically, and they were given a playoff path against teams from League C two leagues below, so that would again put us on the doorstep of, of Euro 2024. So. Hopefully that kind of sums up that winning our Nations League group would be absolutely massive first for qualifying. But I think just as important is the fact that monkey's off the back now. The fact that mental cloud has been lifted from these players. I make the analogy often about you know Andy Murray going to Wimbledon. He would always get asked about no British man's won Wimbledon in sixty odd years. Are you going to do it now? He had to carry that mental baggage. He had nothing to do with. And the Scotland players have done the same. You know, they've been always asked about 20, 22 years when the players have only been around for five minutes. But now they've done it, that's been lifted. I just think it gets so much easier and I would I just genuinely think that we will continue qualifying now. And if, that starts
2: this week. If you look at the, the pots just now, I'm up on the uh, the We Global football Twitter account, which for it for any listener who's unsure of that it's a really Uh, interesting Twitter account that can keep you up to speed on international coefficients and rankings etc and how close Scotland may be to edging their way into Pot 2. Now there are some teams in Pot 3 and Pot 2 that are much of a muchness. I suppose it's like the top end championship teams and the bottom end Premier League teams, you know there's not much between them but there are some in Pot 2 for example that you would much prefer to avoid Serbia are there, Turkey, Russia Switzerland, good teams that make it to major tournaments year after year now you've got some in pot three that are currently at the same level as us that you would you would you would not mind drawing greece at the moment are a poor team northern ireland are probably starting on a sliding scale with the change of manager and the fact that they haven't qualified at the moment hungary uh, they made it through past iceland last night i'm, I'm pretty sure that you know, They're not one of the better teams in pot three. Republic of Ireland, surely we're at a stage now where we're a, we're a better outfit with better players than the Republic of Ireland. So it would certainly be a massive bonus for us if we could avoid teams in pot two like Switzerland, Poland, Wales, of course, Russia. Slovakia, Russia, Russia, of course, Turkey, Ukraine. If we can make sure that we are on a par with them, then our chances of qualification increase oh, tenfold, Ben.
0: Yeah, and it's like we've said before, the more you do it, the way that FIFA and the rankings work, and with UEFA now as well, the higher up you get, the easier it is to stay there. It's like it's difficult to get up to that level, but once you do, everything's kind of stacked in your favour. You, the next time you get your playoff, it's against a much lower-seeded lowest team, seeded team. So, yeah, like, like Gordon's saying, this is a really good chance to actually establish ourselves now. right? We've done the really hard bit of getting to a major tournament again. Now, we can try and push on. You had talked about finding a new dream, Gordon. Well, the World Cup is the next one. Yeah. Because, to me, that is the main target. The Euros, obviously, is a massive monkey off the back to get to a major tournament. But the World Cup, that is the pinnacle. And so, for me, that's the target now. Um, and with Clark at the helm, I, I don't see why it's not possible.
2: Gordon, the, the chances of us winning at the moment in Slovakia are kind of up in the air because I would expect that both <laughs> both uh, players both groups of players will be somewhat recovering today and tomorrow from well uh, celebrations Being with picked. regards to qualification yeah yeah, yeah hangovers <laughs> um, and Israel going to Israel is no easy task they beat us over there the last time that, that we played so although this is a great opportunity for us again a bit like last night be wary
1: yeah absolutely although you know we were we were saying off-air that, I mean, obviously there, there will be changes coming into the game on Sunday. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But you look at the bench, you look at the players that weren't involved last night, and there's real striking quality that can come in. You know, you're talking about the captain of league tonight. Liam Cooper could come in at centre-back. Uh, Scott McKenna could come in. Armstrong could come in. Lyndon Dykes is obviously suspended for the game on Sunday against Slovakia. So perhaps Lee Griffith starts up front. I mean, these are not vastly inferior players that we're talking about bringing in. And bear in mind, so while, while we place the back here, the Czechs play Israel. If both games end in a draw, we've done it. We've qualified.
2: We've been James, James Forrest and Ryan Fraser are injured f- f- uh, for this current camp at the moment. Um, it's going to be difficult for them, Ben, to work their way back into the side over Christie and John McGinn in that sort at the top end of the, the box midfield, I suppose you could put it. Do you think that they will be able to overturn the, the odds that are against him at the moment?
0: I think Brian Fraser has a really good chance. I think he was obviously desperately unlucky to get injured ahead of this game. I think he would have started, and he may well he may well have scored. Um, I would imagine that he'll come straight back into the squad. Whether he goes straight back into the team, I don't know. Christie's maybe raised his stakes a wee bit. Um, Forrest, for me, is the one that I just don't see how he really fits into this system. Um, we spoke about it. Maybe if you're going to play with two wingers, if you're playing against a much lower ranked side, you could maybe say, right, well we'll play Dykes up top and we'll play with two out and out wingers. Um, but I'm, I'm not even sure Clark's going to change his system that much. Uh, so Forrest, for me, given his previous performances, I just he's the one I would maybe think would be a bit worried actually about getting back into this squad.
2: Well, Gordon, is the team last night that performed so well in Serbia? Now the first choice eleven. Yes, there were a few injuries and a few decisions that were that were forced into being made. But do you think now that, given the circumstances and how well they performed, that first that has to be our first eleven for Scotland? Yeah, yeah. I I think I think so
1: many of them have made themselves undroppable. I mean, you look at the starting eleven that Clark's played over the last several games, and there's very few changes from game to game. He clearly wants to have that consistency of selection, kind of create that club mentality. And you know, I'm I'm sure he's spoke to the press about, you know, these games are always opportunities for guys to make themselves undroppable, and they all basically have. I mean, it, it is hilarious though to think that had Ryan Fraser been fit, Ryan Christie probably wouldn't have started. And you look how good, how well he played last night. He's now he's now grabbed that shirt off Ryan Fraser. But that's exactly what you want your national team you want the competition for
2: places and it's it's lovely to see absolutely well unless any of you have anything else you feel like we've missed or want to bring up I think we we call it a day there and we can reconvene once we've reached or if we reach the the top group of the Nations League after the Serbia eh, the Slovakia and Israel games
0: yeah,
1: I, th- I think I, think I, w- I would just want to say just, just how much I've absolutely loved last night. You know, my adrenaline was so high, I don't think I got to bed until about 4 o'clock in the morning. I was just scrolling photos, videos from people, from inside the dressing room, from the players, from fans. It just it fills me with absolute so much joy. And I've, I've shared quite a lot of it on my Twitter page at The Tar Scar, so I'd recommend going and having a little look at what's out there. Um, and, you know, some, something as well that just filled my heart with joy was watching post-match with Ailey Barber, with Darren Fletcher, with James McFadden, and I mean, just the sheer, the love that those three have for the national team, and I mean, you talk about players that have come and gone in our wilderness years that maybe deserved to get to tournament and didn't, and those two guys would be at the forefront of my thoughts, I mean, Darren Fletcher, James McFadden, just phenomenal players for Scotland, they deserved to enjoy a night like this as players. But you see how much they've enjoyed it as fans, and it just means so much to them. So, yeah, it, it,
2: my heart is very full. Well, Ben, how, how good were the, the post-match videos that were being shared from the, the changing room in, in Serbia? The, the dancing together, and then back at the hotel, the David Marshall conga. <laughs> there was uh, a video filmed by, uh, was it Declan Gallagher, that showed Greg Taylor, Scott McTominay, and Keenan Tierney all yeah. just... S- savouring the moment celebrating together it's very easy to tell how quickly this group of players have, have become friends as well as teammates
0: yeah it was the, the team spirit is just clearly phenomenal and I love that it's not just you would imagine that okay maybe it would be Robertson maybe it would be Tierney that all the hype is about but for Considine to be the centre of so much joy and Marshall as well you know these aren't maybe the, the household names but these are the boys that are being celebrated and I think that says a lot about the the ethic in this squad. That nobody's bigger than anyone else. You know, there's no egos. You're in the squad. We're all in it together, and we've done it. You know, so I would just say to just enjoy this because this has been we've been waiting for so long to get a result like this. And the beautiful thing, like Gordon said, is that there's no there's no unhappy ending. You know, we can just enjoy this now <laughs> all the way till next June. We have qualified. You know, to so just just enjoy it. And you and you know that whatever whatever the
1: official Scottish FA licensed song of Euro twenty twenty is gonna be for us, Yes Sir I Can Boogie will be the unofficial one. Hundred <laughs> percent. And I the the only thing the only thing that I felt a little bit sad about last night was that I was sitting in my house on my own and I was thinking, in normal times we would have watched that together in a pub. We probably wouldn't have gotten home till Sunday. It would have been the most unbelievable night out we've ever had and unfortunately the COVID situation 2020 robbed that from us um, but I'd like to think we'll save it, we'll keep it in the bank and when we can we'll have the biggest party you've ever seen
2: yeah, absolutely, great Right, well, we'll chat again next week lads um, let's see how we get on against Slovakia and Israel but I mean the main thing at the moment is qualification for we did players. it, we did it. We did it. Ah! this is something that we've been building towards on this podcast for about two years, we've finally been able to record it we got it over the line. Scotland are at the European Championships.
0: I can
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.